Hi, this is Marcus calling to say I never listened to I Doubt It with Dalamore. And you can tell it's really me because I don't have a Tennessee accent. Except no substitutes. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dalamore. Let's get the show on the road, as they say in the biz. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 496 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore. And I'm joined by the lovely, the talented, the perpetually tired, Brittany Page. So I have a question for you, sir. All right. Tomorrow is March 15th. Friday. And people are going to be gathering, gathering on the steps of the Supreme Court and planking in honor of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's birthday. Oh, is it her birthday? Well, I don't know if it's exactly tomorrow, but... They're going to be planking on the Supreme Court steps in honor of her birthday. Wow. Are you going to be there? I'm not going to be there, nor will I be planking at home. No. Not not a, not a planking kind of guy? Not a planker. Also, not a big celebrator of birthdays for people I don't know. Well, it is RBG, and she is going to be 86 on yeah, March no, 15th. I'm, I'm it is down. her birthday tomorrow. I love it. That's great, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to celebrate. Not a big celebrator of, uh, I don't really even celebrate my own. Okay, well, let me ask this question then. All right. Why do you hate Ruth Bader Ginsburg? <laughs> what did she let, ever do to you? Let me tell you something. You? Mm-hmm. She is one of the final few stitches that is holding this blanket together. Mm-hmm. This quilt we call Americana uh-huh. to get cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> wow, are you're you not are, impressed? Are you getting cheesy, or are you being really realistic and bringing the show down? No, right now? no. I mean, she really is, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very happy. I mean, to be serious about it, I'm very happy that she has yet another birthday. That's that's a wonderful thing because we're in a tenuous situation here. Relatively, we're get, why are we getting all heavy all all of a sudden? What, yeah. what did you do? You need to relax. You I need wanted to, relax. to talk about an Uber ride I took yesterday. And by uh, Uber, I mean an Uber well, ride. tell us about the Uber ride. Well, what happened? Well, first of all, let me say this. We planned to do the show yesterday. Uh, I have the show. It was ready to go yesterday. But jury duty. Yeah, I just didn't have any anything left. The, so, s- the steam had run out. So let's make sure everyone knows, just in case there's new listeners, that you are on a federal grand jury, That's which right. means that you have to be in grand jury every single Wednesday right, yeah. for a year. For a year. And this is not just show up for an hour, do some work, leave. You had like a seven hour day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes like there's a phone number we call and they say, okay, you got to be there. It's going to be two and a half hours, three hours of work. That's what we assume. Mm-hmm. And you go in, you listen to testimony or they present a case and then you vote to indict or not to indict. There's other the, the administrative type things that we do. I mean, I don't have like a computer that I'm working at. We just yeah. listen to people and then vote what, you know, right? secret proceedings, all the bullshit. Uh-huh. Secrets. So, not this week, but the weekend, the week prior, two Wednesdays ago. Wednesday. I called and they say, oh, it's four hours of work. Good times. Yeah. I seems go in, pretty decent. Ready for my four hours of work. The uh-huh. very first day we're leaving Popeye, the, the bulldog. Yeah. He gets, the, he's very needy. Yeah, well, he doesn't first, like it. The first day with the new rescue bulldog that we're leaving him for the day. So is it, you know, like, oh, I only four hours. I'll get back right away. Yeah. No, it was right. To the limit, a yeah. seven-hour day mm-hmm. with no lunch. With no, yeah, because we only expected four hours. Yeah, because we have a group that likes to power through and do the work. Well, that's nice. Well, this last week they said six hours. We went the full deal again, yeah. all the way. Yeah, from nine thirty to four thirty, mm-hmm. and uh, I just didn't have it in me. It was very tired. We, we were doing. We're not doing like a college campus, you know, college admissions. It's not that case, although I, w- I wish we'd pull a case like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But it was just a lot of stuff. I mean, we're working on big stuff, but not, you know, okay, like that. Okay, we, we anyway. just stop, because we've already talked about this, that you can't say anything, yeah, right? Wink, wink. And... <laughs> You won't not be wink, and wink. You, you won't be talking about it on the show. That is right. Wink, wink, well, I'm, not, and, I'm not talking about yeah, it. And yeah, yeah. No, there is no yeah. fucking wink, wink to yeah. all of the assistant U.S. attorneys who might tune in. Mm. There is no wink, wink. Okay. What are you doing to me? Just <laughs> wink, wink. Listen, we all know what's going on. No, you don't know what's going on. Yeah, we do. <laughs> So anyway, the Uber driver, are you ever going to talk about that or is that? Yeah. So anyway, tired on the way home, decided I couldn't do the show because I just didn't, you know, I've got to maintain some level of energy for the listeners. And uh, I get in the car and I don't know how we got to the topic, but for some reason, talking about vacations or traveling and and, uh, my Uber driver tells me that he's colorblind related to race. Okay. Because he grew up in California and he's traveled around and he knows it's different elsewhere. Yeah, this is a pretty common thing that I've heard actually from and, people who are from California. They will say, Yeah, I'm from California, so I can't be racist. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like they've never yeah. spent time in a riverside. So, I, so, you know, <laughs> that's right. I, I, so, so he says he's colorblind related to race. And then on the 15 minute ride home or however long I'm in the car with him. He proceeds to tell me stories about being an Uber driver, and in every single instance, <laughs> he tells me the race of the person he's talking about. Mm. That has no bearing on the story whatsoever. Yeah, I thought I thought he didn't see that, though. He, he tells me a story about how he cracked a joke, a real funny joke. The, the group of people gets in, and he says, oh, hey, Mona, that was the girl's name. Mm-hmm. You've, and he prefaces it by saying, they're Mexicans. These Mexicans get in the car. Okay. <laughs> hey, Mona, uh, you've got the lowest Uber rating I've ever seen before. And then they all get all freaked out about it. He goes, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I was just teasing. Mm-hmm. And then there's another time, and it's the black people who work in the the fried chicken shop. In what Nat- the hell? Tim- yeah, it was just insane. And he didn't, he didn't say anything overtly racist at all i wouldn't even peg him as a racist it's just that he was clearly not colorblind he mentioned his japanese wife a couple times i mean for a guy who's colorblind he sure does notice everybody's color so let me <laughs> you ask know what I mean? let, let me ask you this how did this come up i don't remember in seemingly such a rapid fashion i mean normally people aren't Hello, my name is Brittany, and I'm colorblind as it relates to race. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't remember because it, it's it's always such innocuous, inane conversation. With there's nothing substantive that you're talking about with an Uber driver. Not that they're not intellectual. You know, it's just not somebody you're going to see again. So you don't really have well, a deep conversation with them. Well, that's exactly what I'm wondering. Is typically it's you know a meaningless conversation, but this was clearly. I mean, he was clearly making a point about race, which seems like a very yeah, I don't know. serious topic. Maybe he was just wanting me to explain preemptively what uh, what the tattoo on his forehead was, meant that said, not a racist. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. It seems weird. Yeah, it was very weird. A little. But, but, but that's, not the fir- that's not the only time we've had instances like that where, like, dude, that guy's... That was weird. That was a weird moment. Yeah, well, you're pretty much taking your life into your own hands by getting in an Uber. Well, you're pretty much taking your life in your own ca- hands getting in your own car. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> at least you have at least more of a Some perceived control. sense of control. <laughs> right. right? Well, I'm not you can, worried you about... You can say, I'm a good driver. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. But then you sit behind the guy. He locks you in the car. He's going 80 on the freeway. You know, things well, are a little, well, little tense The, the other point. thing is, like, if, if someone I know said that, the colorblind comment, I would say, well, that's, you know, that's actually... I know what you mean when you say that, but you shouldn't say that because actually... That's a stupid thing. I mean, I would say that to a friend. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not going to waste a bunch of time trying to, you know, some guy that I don't know I'm not going to see again. Yeah. I don't know. I just need to feel. Plus, he has the power to rate me low if he's also has in his mind what his rider's ratings are. Yeah. I don't want to get banned from fucking taking an Uber. Yeah. Well, we're all trying to just get by with good ratings in life, aren't I we? I should have asked him. 
Oh, you don't see. Well, what color am I? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I thought you were talking about he was just telling you, warning you that he was colorblind, so oh, that if he like ran a red light or something and you died, <laughs> so that at least he warned the, you. Point out the stop signs. Yeah. He also has like sign aphasia where he can't see the shape. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? I, is aphasia? Is that the right word? Uh, yeah. I yes, I think that aphasia is loss of um language, though. Oh, okay. Well, then it's not. But, so I'm wrong. But you're trying to play on the what's term. The, what's, what's what's the face facial blindness? Yeah, term. face blindness. I'm trying to think of it. Um. Well, when you think of it, let us know. Let's get to the first voicemail. <laughs> no, no, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Ah, uh, it's gonna be a good show. Could be a big show. Should should, should I should I uh, should I stall longer while you think about think about what it is? Prosopagnosia. <laughs> wow. Prosopagnosia. You did not register on your face at all that you'd pulled it. Well, prosopagnosia. Yes. Proso- wow. Prosopagnosia. Mm-hmm. That is. Uh, and what did I say aphasia was again? Language, something language. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Good. So not not. So I was wrong. Well, just making sure that I have somewhat of an ability to regurgitate the things that I learned in school. Yeah, it's recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so you don't have a memory problem with faces or insane words that no one really knows. All right. Good times. Mm-hmm. Spe- speaking of good times, let's move on to some listener communication. We have a, a voicemail I want to play and also an email to read. So before I waste any more time talking about what we have, let's just get to what we have. Hey guys, it's Dan from Oceanside. Hey, not to make uh, this next episode even more Fox News centric than this last one, although I agree with you that it's very important uh, for people who don't necessarily watch it to know what's going on. I uh, wanted to know what you thought about the Democratic Party not uh, giving a uh, debate to Fox News. Uh, I, I understand the argument of it's a big cash cow for them. Uh, obviously, there won't be a Republican, you know, primary debate situation because they have an incumbent. Uh, so I know that those events get really high ratings, and obviously it means a lot of advertising dollars. So I understand not wanting to reward a company who's so, you know, obviously biased and, and you know, is what it is. We all know the, the adjectives. Um, though I do think that there's something to be gained by people who aren't necessarily going to flip over and, you know, they're going to still watch friggin' Tucker Carlson or whatever to, on one of those nights, have, or, you know, a couple of those nights maybe, have a Pete Buttigieg or, or a Kamala Harris or a Bernie Sanders, people who obviously are, like, much more together and have their, their thoughts, you know, uh, a little better formed than, uh, than Trump. But just to see some normalcy in the political process again and to see some adults up on a stage talking about adult issues instead of talking about their dick size or who would beat somebody up in a fight Uh, i think that some of that could be refreshing to people who otherwise haven't seen any kind of uh normalcy in their political process in a couple years Uh, anyways I, i definitely see the argument though for not giving them one just wondering uh if you thought that that's a loss for the democrats not putting their candidates on display in front of people that wouldn't necessarily go seek them out, if that makes any sense. Or if that the, you know, the, the eyes of Republican voters are, are so, ju- you know, they're just so ruined that it doesn't matter anyway. So anyways, guys, let me know what you think. I tend to think the latter, for sure, that it doesn't matter at all (laughs) and that the uh, typical Fox News viewer is just going to become more entrenched in their hatred and dislike of Democrats and normally I'm I'm the one who is hopeful no no I couldn't even convincingly get that out um do you do (laughs) sorry wow do you have a different take on that you know i i had i had a different take before i listened to that voice that's the first time i've listened to that voicemail Mm -hmm. i mean i listened to the first few seconds of it to know what it's about before we play yeah we're professionals around here yeah you know i give everything good shake so Mm -hmm. uh i i had that idea of it before i just listened to that full voicemail and i'm swaying a little bit Mm. a little bit but there's there's conditions if 
if they were to negotiate, like, first of all, right when all that came out about Fox News giving Donald Trump debate questions and being this collusive, this this uh, verifiable collusive in, uh, um, relationship with Donald Trump. Yeah, I think that's the right move made by Tom Perez to say, you know what? Fuck you guys. We're not going to do anything with you because one, we're enriching your network, like Dan said, but but also because why would we walk into ho- literal enemy territory, hostile territory, thinking you're going to give us a fair shake? Mm-hmm. So I understand that. However, I think that after some further reflection that negotiations could be made that we'll only do it if like Shep Smith ho- hosts. Mm, yeah. Because then, then you could be guaranteed a fair shake. And I believe that 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 Shep Smith would definitely keep the questions close to the vest and not ha- he would have a team in place that aren't going to allow chicanery to take place. Yeah, maybe Shep and Chris Wallace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, I think they have a pretty good dynamic, and Chris Wallace is, for the most part, mm-hmm. um, straight about things. Sometimes they have an adversarial dynamic, but that's yeah. okay, too. <laughs> but that's good because, it, you know, Shep keeps him fucking honest. Yes. Chris Wallace. You definitely wouldn't want a Brett Bear though. No, who, fuck no. Who reacted to this news by saying um, Fox derangement syndrome. Right, taking a page out of Trump language about right. Trump derangement syndrome. Right. Fuck that guy. Which The guy who hangs out at fucking Mar-a-Lago and takes pictures with Trump and his wife. I was just going to say, being photographed at Mar-a-Lago, yeah. I don't know if it was a picture with Trump at Mar-a-Lago, but he was definitely at Mar-a-Lago hanging out oh, with yeah, his that's, wife. That's a, that's a good clarification. You're right. And so for him to, because Brett Bear's kind of considered the newsman over there right he does that's a, right he does a news report he's not an opinion guy right and for him to come out and and use this term the derangement syndrome right that is the trumpian that's right speak um language i mean he might as well start screaming fake news yeah come on dude not only that not convincing not only that but being a straight news guy you've got to know that your network has fucking problems when sean hannity is taking the stage at a maga rally yeah. Come on. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing the world clearly through unpartisan, nonpartisan, journalistic eyes. Yeah. You fucking blockhead. Yeah. Although, seriously, that I, guy has a blockhead. So anyway. It is like a, he's like a Minecraft character. Brett Bear with that fucking square head of his. So. Put bolts on the side of his neck and he's Frankenstein's monster. So I do think that uh, Dan... <laughs> You're so lucky I could not think of another reference. Makes a hopeful... Oh, I'm lucky. I was going to I'm lucky that you couldn't come up with going. one. Yeah, you're very lucky, yeah. in fact. Dan you makes, lo- you're the one who likes to talk about luck. Yeah, Dan makes a good point. So lucky. About... You know what? Dan didn't make a good point. <laughs> How about that? Jesse ruined it, Dan. Oh, Dan. Sorry, mm. brother. Mm-hmm. So, okay, what did Dan make a good point about? Well, just that the the hope, right? That I think we should always try to maintain the hope, even though I don't have any. Uh, we should try to maintain it that they can be changed, and that maybe if they do hear policy platforms uh, like the ones that uh, Beto announced today, then um, he they will be able to change but, their minds. Now you're joking. Now you're making jokes because Beto didn't fucking <laughs> yeah. give any. Yeah, policy I know. They platforms. even asked him. They like reporters were calling him like, "Hey, do you have any uh, policies that you want to talk about?" His website they're not returning phone calls his website doesn't even have a link yeah to go to to read mm-hmm. his policies yeah. i have no idea whether he supports universal health care i have it, no fucking idea well his argument for why he should be president is that he was born to do this. we're gonna get there okay we're gonna get there so we have an email Actually, we're not gonna get there this episode we have so let's talk about that for a second okay this he, is all over the place. Vanity Fair. He he says, and listen, I know we've got a lot of Beto supporters out there. And I'm not I'm not ruling him out, but this is an inauspicious start. Because first of all, he takes fucking forever to announce, teasing it, titillating. Oh, what you gonna do? What am I gonna do? Pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. And then when he comes out, he drops this Vanity Fair piece where he says, in the piece. Oh, I, I've lived my whole life to do this. I was born to do this. This is like, oh, it's my destiny. Fuck you. It's your destiny. This isn't about you, Beto O'Rourke. This is about the United States of America and the future, possible future, of our republic. 
We have a despot in the White House right now. Don't make this about you. All right. Rant over. All right. There we go. I would love to hear what people think about it, though. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. And I would love to hear, because I'm sure there are people who disagree. So I need to read this email from Marge, but Popeye just farted right in my mouth. and <laughs> I think he farted near you and the fart has gone into your mouth. Yeah, I'm kind of chewing through it right now. So, <laughs> um. Okay, uh, this is from Marge. You're choking so badly right now that you wouldn't even be able to drop the Instagram. Yeah, at at Bully Popeye with a Y. <laughs> okay. Um, Marge, Marge wrote us this email, and this is related to the double first cousins and Senator Rubber Lips. I was catching up on episodes after vacation and found a couple of things I wanted to Wait comment on. Is Marge really implying that she doesn't listen to the show while on vacation? She's taking a vacation from listening to the show. Oh. That is the vacation. That. Oh, that's the vacation. Mm -hmm. All right. Proceed. I can help you with the double first cousin question because I am one. It was a matter of two brothers marrying two sisters, not otherwise related. So the children share all four grandparents related by blood on both sides of the family. Yeah, that's interesting. We all share a strong family resemblance, but no extra eyes or arms growing out of the forehead. That also is a plus. When you discussed Senator Kennedy of Louisiana, it made me laugh out loud since I have thought of him as Senator Rubber Lips ever since he was elected. Yeah. I I, say, I say, I say. I love the show. Thanks for all of your efforts. This episode excluded, apparently. Yeah. We are not really efforting this one at all. No, we're making a lot of efforts right now. Thank you for the email and for the double cousin explanation because it was apparently too difficult for me to Google. Mm -hmm. I I didn't know. Well, it's much easier just to say, what is this about? Someone write and tell me and then have listeners write and tell us about it. Well, you know, speaking of the fact that we just, we didn't speak about it, but speaking of the fact that we just passed the five year mark and, you know, over almost 600 episodes, Mm -hmm. it's nice to have built an audience to a certain size where we can just say, it'd be nice if we have, like when I found out about the African ancestry, Mm -hmm. I said, it'd be awesome if we had a a genealogist in the audience somewhere. And then I got an email, hey, fuck yeah, I, I can help you out. By the way, we're finding out awesome, awesome stuff and we're gonna have her on the show pretty soon. To talk about some of that stuff. Well, I would be interested if Barbara could look into my family because my, my, who is he? He's my uncle of some sort. Oh, the, the Betty Page thing. Yeah, he believes I'm related to Betty Page and Jimmy Page. Oh, come the, come on. Pretty much anyone famous with the last name Page, I think he thinks we're related to. He's kind of like you, like how you were worried about anyone with the same last name hooking up. It's similar to that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was just like no. that. It was just like that. You have a, you have a so anyway, relatively common name. So we have this message name. from God Emma damn. that we need to get to. And she wrote to us about Chris Cuomo's response to quote unquote fucker Carlson. This is what Emma refers to him as. I would like to add some text here about my responses to Carlson's hateful comments. But I think Cuomo sums it up nicely. Enjoy. Yes. And then she provided the clip, which we're going to play for you because we also found it to be quite good. We are going to play it, but I'm going to save it for the end of the show. So if you're interested in what Chris Cuomo said, a little teases, a little like a little like a little surprise at the end of the episode, we're going to play it. All right. Like be- a taking care of biz. Yeah, I think it should be a taking. Actually, that's a good idea. Hmm. That is a good idea. Because um there's so much that we have to get to news-wise. I want to just move right on, and that'll be like a end-of-the-show follow-up. Good times. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Gary. Gary! Gary is our latest Patreon supporter. We really appreciate your support, Gary. Listen, all of the stickers are sent 
not from this month. If you became a Patreon supporter in the month of March, your sticker has not gone out and it will not go out until the beginning of April because that is when Patreon notifies me that you have been charged and you are owed a sticker if you are in that tier. So don't yell at me if you just started giving in March. But I was almost ready to start yelling. If you started giving prior to March and you have not received your sticker and you were supposed to, please send me a message and let me know. The mailman probably working in your area is probably Mark the mailman and we all know he's not great so um, that is in general the mean IQ of black people is less than that of white people now if you don't like that conclusion then feel free to do the decades of research to disprove it but just because you don't like the conclusion doesn't mean that the facts aren't true see I don't like you playing that drop why why? Because it's, because the, yeah, but people don't understand. You mean what new happened listeners. there? Oh, new right. And so it just don't. sounds like you're like playing that as though it's fact. No, it's not fact. We're making fun of the guy uh-huh. who hasn't read a book since who fucking knows how long ago and watches a YouTube video and thinks he's a fucking expert. Anyway, so I was trying to make a casual reference here, and this is eh, like well, now turning into a ten minute. I turn discussion. everything into a train wreck. So anyway, that um, is what I do. This show is a disaster. This is not a disaster. We should just start over. I would love to know if you think the show is a disaster. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. So if you cannot support the show or if it would put you in a difficult position to do so uh, by supporting us financially on Patreon, don't even worry about it, right? I mean, if it would cause you any amount of stress at this all. show's always going to be free. Do not worry about it, okay? There's other ways that you can support us if you feel like you really want to support us, but you can't do it in that way. Rate and review us on iTunes, Profanity Free. And as always, we really appreciate you, even if you are just out there listening to the show. Very much so. Yeah. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So as we've always thought, because we witness Donald Trump from day to day and how he acts and the way he reacts... Uh, the demeanor he carries himself with, uh, like a mobster, like a like talking in a secret code language. We've always, I think, most of us have have believed that he has dangled pardons to certain members of his former staff, the ones who are under indictment now for multiple crimes, the ones like Manafort who have now been sentenced to an additional forty three months of prison, totaling seven and a half years. We've always kind of thought this. Now there's proof. Now there's evidence of it in emails to Michael Cohen telling him to sleep well tonight, buddy, because you got friends, powerful positions. New emails exclusively obtained by CNN show a lawyer who spoke with Rudy Giuliani in April 2018 told Michael Cohen that he could, quote, sleep well tonight, raising new questions about whether the Trump team did actually dangle a possible pardon for the president's former fixer. Let's bring in CNN's chief political analyst, Gloria Borger, who's breaking the story. Gloria, take us through these emails you obtained. Yeah, uh, these are emails, as you point out, April 2018, not long after Michael Cohn's office and home uh, were raided. And they're from an attorney, uh, Bob Costello, to Michael Cohn. And let's go just through some of them. We've got two. I spoke with Rudy, meaning Giuliani, of course. Very, very positive. You are loved. Sleep well tonight. You have friends in high places. And then from another one of these emails, Jake, I just spoke to Rudy Giuliani and told him I was on your team. He asked me to tell you that he knows how tough this is on you and your family, and he will make sure to tell the president. He said, thank you for opening this back channel of communication and asked me to keep in touch. So, Jake, uh, what we don't have is Michael Cohen's response, uh, I should point out. And uh, that would shed a lot of light on this. But we do have different explanations uh, from the various teams about what this all means. Well, what, what is the discrepancy about the intent in these messages? So uh, Cohen sympathizers say that this is clearly an early effort to dangle a pardon and perhaps even establish some kind of person who can deal with Michael Cohen and then report back to Donald Trump. As I said before, it was after the raid. People might have been worried about what had been taken in that raid. So there was an interest 
in uh, sort of uh, a mutual relationship. Um, but if I talked to Bob Costello, the attorney, and he said to me, quote, this is utter nonsense. And what they were, in fact, doing was trying to smooth out a relationship uh, for Michael Cohn that he was afraid had become uh, not so great with the president after there were some stories in the press about how the president was upset with Michael Cohen after the raid, et cetera. So he said, you know, I was just doing what Michael asked me. This had nothing to do with a pardon, but it was about making sure that Giuliani knew that Michael Cohen and the president should be on good terms. And, and, and Gloria, what is Rudy Giuliani saying? Well, Rudy Giuliani, not surprisingly, who's a good friend of this attorney, has the same story. He told our colleague Dana Bash, I called Costello to reassure him that the president was not mad. It wasn't long after the raid, and the president felt bad for Michael Cohen. Mm. And it just keeps getting juicier. The, the Donald Trump just wanted to reassure his good buddy that he felt bad. Don't mm-hmm. worry about it, man. You got good, you got friends in high places. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. One, <laughs> I think it's notable that the word back channel. Mm-hmm. was actually used. Yeah. And I take issue with Gloria Borger there, saying that Cohen sympathizers think this, 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 this. I'm not a Cohen sympathizer. I think he's a piece of shit. I think he should be um, prosecuted for perjuring himself before the committee related to this matter. Mm-hmm. That he was never offered and never, never, never uh, sought, wasn't offered, and wouldn't accept a pardon mm-hmm. from the president. And then we find all this out. Yeah. Seems pretty clear cut that he lied before the committee again. Well, now it's a bummer because we have to go back on what we said, which is that we love Michael Cohen now. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, he's yeah. a great guy. All this and, time, I've just been loving the guy. Yeah, we're bummed out that we have to, I mean, it's embarrassing to have to come out and now say that we were wrong about that. You know, it's not the first time, Brittany. It's not the first time. (laughs) Just in case we have new listeners, we were not wrong. We were very right about that. Just in case we have new listeners, Mm -hmm. you're goddamn right we've got new listeners. (laughs) So, I mean, look, this is just more more evidence for... Yeah, more that's exactly right. More evidence of the swamp that 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 makes us uneasy, mm-hmm. makes us disgusted, and more evidence for Republicans to ignore and make excuses about. And well, what he meant to say was, oh, what this was, oh no, 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 that's not that. No, this is this. All of the nothing's for the, for the most plainly spoken president we've ever had. The guy who doesn't care about political correctness. He sure does have to a lot of oh no, no, that's not what he meant. Yeah, yeah, he's totally plain spoken, but nah, nah, yeah, nah, nah, nah. this is really just a spectacular feat that Donald Trump has achieved with his gold-plated toilets in convincing people that he was going to drain the swamp, that yeah. he's not a politician, when this is the worst of the worst. Look, and those ding-dongs still think that after all of the scandal related to his cabinet and hiring fucking lobbyists and shit. They still, on my YouTube channel, trust me, I get a great sampling of how he's draining the swamp on a daily basis. It really makes you want to check out The Art of the Deal. <laughs> I you read know? it. There I might read be it. something in there. When I was a kid, I read it. Yeah? Yeah. I, well, I, what the hell happened? To me or to him? To you. Why aren't you with the golden plated toilets and scamming people I out think, of all of their earnings? Do you want to know what it is, honestly? Yeah. I heard him talk. <laughs> as soon as I heard his voice, mm. I was like, that's Donald Trump? <laughs> hey, what the guy, what you're doing? Hey. I was like, eh, this, no. No. Yeah. I was shocked when I heard his voice the first time as yeah. a kid. But no, isn't it incredible that he has kind of pulled this off and saying that he's not a politician, that he is going to drain the swamp and all of the corruption. Yes. And, uh, and he's Even the most- his son having the balls to call him a blue collar billionaire. Yeah, it's just so remarkable. It's 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 truly remarkable. They're going to be studying this for a long time. Look, I've never thought that the the vast majority of regular quote unquote Americans were super smart people, but it, it is alarming at just how fucking stupid so many Americans are. Because two Corinthians should have done it. Mm-hmm. Pussy grabbing should have done it. Walking into the locker rooms of teenage girls who are naked 
should have done it, but no, no, none of that really mattered. Yeah. Well, this isn't the only news on the on the Cohen pardon, and it's not just the documentation that we've gotten from Cohen that he's provided to the committee and these emails that have come out. It's also the fact that uh, Matt Whitaker, former acting attorney general, testified again before the Judiciary Committee with uh, Gerald Nadler, Jerry Nadler, and... Uh, they asked him multiple times, and there was one thing that happened during the questioning that he did not deny discussing Cohen with Donald Trump. Well, tonight we're learning that the House Judiciary Committee uh, Chairman Jerry Nadler is raising new questions about conversations between President Trump and acting Attorney General, former acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker. We reported back in December that Trump had vented to Whitaker about prosecutors in Manhattan going rogue over the Michael Cohen investigation into those hush money payments that were made just before the 2016 election. Matt Whitaker was very circumspect in his testimony, providing different answers when he testified originally on the Hill. And according to Chairman Jerry Nadler today, he changed his tune. Take a listen. Unlike in the hearing room, uh, Mr. Whitaker did not deny that the president called him to discuss Michael Cohen, the Michael Cohen case and the personnel decisions in the Southern District. Two, while he was acting attorney general, Mr. Whitaker was directly involved in conversations about whether to fire one or more U.S. attorneys. And three... Uh, while he was Attorney General, acting Attorney General, Mr. Whitaker was involved in conversations about the scope of the Southern District of New York U.S. Attorney Berman's recusal and whether the Southern District went too far in pursuing the campaign finance case in which the President was listed as individual number one. Those are the three takeaways uh, from our uh, from today. What do you mean that he? What do you mean that he? What do you mean that he did not deny the president's involved? What do you think the president? He did not deny the president's involvement. Or president ha- interacting with him about as to just what I said. He did not deny it. Unlike in the hearing room. So that means that he had conversations with the president about the Michael Cohen guilty. He would not say no. So we don't know what this means because obviously a lot of these people have no problem lying, right? Yeah, but the answer was no. He would say no, absolutely not. But if you refuse to say no, it seems to be telling, especially amongst this group. Yeah, I mean, they're all liars, though. I mean, who the hell knows what the strategy is or what's going on? Hmm. I mean, isn't there suspicion? That's possible for sure. Isn't there already suspicion that that he lied the last time he testified? Yeah. I mean, they, they're just always lying. So if you're going to lie once... You're not going to lie again because what? Well, that's what he's saying. He did deny it before, but now he refused to say, no, I did not. So what Maybe is the change? Maybe upon further reflection, he's like, oh, shit, I don't want to perjure myself. If I do it again, I'm going to double down. That's going to be a problem for me. Hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I don't know, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it seems to be a problem. Yeah. And also, it doesn't seem beyond at all because they've talked about conversations that Whitaker and Trump had. Where Trump would rant and rave, trying to get him to see what the possibilities were of either firing the the uh, U.S. attorney up there mm-hmm. uh, on the Southern District of New York, or all these different things about his recusal, all the things. Mm-hmm. So, I certainly wouldn't put it past Donald Trump. In fact, I think it's more likely than not that that happened, mm-hmm. especially knowing what we know over the course of the last four years about Donald Trump. Absolutely. Anyway. So the other thing we mentioned earlier is that uh, Paul Manafort got sentenced in the second uh, sentencing. Junior uh, Soprano. Th- that is right. That is right. I got my gray hair. <laughs> and uh, he got 43 months. Totally mm-hmm. seven and a half years, like we said. The judge was not happy with him. Yeah. So now, you know, multiple convicted felon. Multiple. And we're going to, t- and, and well, I guess we're not going to talk about it, but the, the, immediately upon sentencing, he was indicted on 16 charges from the, the uh, New York Attorney General. So now he's facing charges that he cannot be pardoned for by Donald Trump. And Trump reacted to his sentencing in, you know, classic Donald Trump fashion. Well, I feel very badly for Paul Manafort. And, you know, he worked for Ronald Reagan very successfully. He worked for John McCain. He worked for Bob Dole and many others for many years. 
and I feel badly for him. Will you pardon Paul Manafort? I have not even given it a thought as of this moment. <laughs> it's not something that's uh, right now in my mind. I do feel badly for Paul Manafort. He hasn't even given it a thought, Brittany Page. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, pa- oh, wow. That That is the... I, that's so weird you just asked me that. I haven't even... That's the very first time I've even heard. We haven't even talked about that at all. Mm-hmm. Pardoning Paul Manafort. Oh, oh, yeah, that is something I can do. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here with this what, me, who, what? Mm-hmm. Dipshit. Unbelievable. Yeah. It really does... It really does point to just how stupid he believes his supporters are. They'll believe fucking anything that Mm -hmm. he says. Well, it's also his contempt for the press because he knows that he can obfuscate and, I mean, force them into a position where they have to back down because he's forcing them out of the room if they try to ask follow-up questions. for sure. So he's kind of put them in a position where he can just say whatever he wants. It really is the bully pulpit. I mean, they've, they've said that for a long time, that the, the presidency is a bully pulpit, mm-hmm. especially during campaigns and whatever, but he's really using it. He's weaponized it. Yeah. More than any other president in my lifetime. It's horrifying. So the other thing related to the state of New York, which is doing yeoman's work up there, God bless you, New York, is they... Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to make a t-shirt, by the way, Brittany. Mm-hmm. I'm going to add a t-shirt. Everybody has to sound off and let me know if they'd be interested in this because I'm interested in it. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump's been tweeting for the last couple months about this is presidential harassment. This is more presidential harassment. Right. Throwing his fits on Twitter. And uh, I think I'm going to make a t-shirt that just says like official presidential harasser or <laughs> president, you know, something like that. Yeah, I think that you need to make that. <laughs> Right now. So anyway, that's for sure what is happening now because he is also being investigated by the New York Attorney General. When Tish James won the election for New York Attorney General in November, she sent a powerful warning to Donald Trump saying, quote, he should know that we here in New York and I in particular, we're not scared of you. And as the next attorney general of his home state, I will be shining a bright light into every dark corner of his real estate dealings and every dealing, demanding truthfulness at every turn. It's a promise James has kept so far as reports of more subpoenas into Trump's business came this week. The New York attorney general has subpoenaed records from Deutsche Bank related to three large loans the bank extended to President Trump's company in recent years and a fourth loan that Trump sought to buy the NFL's Buffalo Bills. That's according to two people familiar with the subpoenas. The probe appeared to hit a nerve with the president, who tweeted this, quote, New York State and its governor, Andrew Cuomo, are now proud members of the group of, this is real folks, if you're in your car, presidential harassers. No wonder people are fleeing the state in record numbers. The witch hunt continues. Joining the discussion, Alicia Menendez, co-host of PBS's Amanpour and Company and contributing editor for Bustle, and Jason Johnson, politics editor for The Root. Uh, we are eagerly awaiting Washington Post political reporter Dave. Oh, there you are, David Farenthold, <laughs> who has the byline on his paper's story on this. Let me start with you and this reporting. I mean, this seems like you know, we talk about new fronts. We talk about more fronts. You are dogged in your coverage of emoluments. And a, and a whole bucket of legal issues that um, you know run parallel to, to the Mueller probe and the SDNY investigation. Talk about the New York Attorney General being a real thorn in what Donald Trump once described as issues and cases and problems on the other side of his red line, his businesses. Certainly, that's right. I mean, one thing that we'll, we've seen from New York state authorities, both the insurance regulators last week and the New York AG now, is that they're going after these third parties that did business with Trump, have a lot of information about how he operated, but are not in his inner circle and are less likely to sort of go to the mat to protect him. So last week, it was Aon, his insurance broker, that New York state was asking for documents from. This week, it's Deutsche Bank. Those folks will know a lot about whether, as Michael Cohen alleged, Trump used basically inflated, exaggerated documents to try to con them out of a better deal to get loans out of them or to reduce his insurance premiums if that's there these folks may not feel they have to protect donald trump they may give it up to satisfy new york state 
And, you know, I know less about banking. I can barely balance my own checks. But, but who's Deutsche Bank? Are they like the Michael Cohen of bankers? Are they fast and loose? Are they, a, are they a fancy financial institution? Who is Deutsche Bank? Are they likely to do what you just said? Are they likely to protect Donald Trump? Or are they likely to cooperate with law enforcement officials at the, at the state and federal level? Well, it's a huge bank uh, based in Germany, as the name implies, but they are very in a lot of trouble on a lot of different fronts. They've gotten in a lot of trouble in Europe because of allegations of Ru Russian money laundering. Uh, they've been in trouble in the U.S. They're, they're a large bank, but they're not a bank that's on great, great fiscal footing. They're not a great bank that's in really well with regulators in the U.S. or the U.K. or the EU. So they don't have a lot of credibility or there's not a lot of slack in their system where they can go defend Donald Trump and still be OK themselves. They may be especially willing to throw Donald Trump overboard. Uh, and I should say that the, the, the part of the bank that was giving Donald Trump loans wasn't their main commercial lending, the part where they spent a lot of time scrutinizing, is this lo a good loan or a bad loan? It was this weird office that just serves very wealthy individuals with much less scrutiny. So they may be especially willing to throw that office overboard with Trump. Wow, I am shocked. <laughs> Wow. I mean, come on. Harassment. <laughs> what is this fake news? <laughs> Do we also need to warn new listeners that we're teasing about that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. You never know. Yeah, I did just go on a rant about how stupid Americans are. But yeah. not our audience. <laughs> but not our audience. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, let me tell you this. First of all, I don't know what the... I mean, obviously, if the attorney general of the state of New York is bringing up a case and looking into this, they have standing in a case like this. Um, but I can guarantee you the federal government can, will, and does prosecute for bank fraud and wire fraud. Mm -hmm. That is something that happens all the fucking time. Yeah. And uh, this, if Donald Trump did give false information, verifiably false information to a bank to secure a loan especially one that's outside of the, the United States, that would encompass also the Interstate Commerce Clause and foreign commerce. It would be a bomber. The federal government would have authority to, to, to prosecute Donald Trump. But, but you and have, also his executives, which include his children. Yeah, but you have to keep wondering because all of this adds up to, at some point, something has to happen, Right. And that is the hope. You would hope so because that doesn't always is not always the case with rich fucks in America, right? And even rich people believe that they are largely immune from consequences, right? right? And you're actually seeing this with the whole college admission scandal thing, and the the recordings that the prosecutors have show that these rich people in the college admission scam knew that they were committing yeah. crimes. Uh, but that they largely felt that they were kind of above the consequences yeah, yeah. to committing those crimes. So you have numerous children who were shut out of opportunities because they paid to have their children who don't have the academics to get into these Ivy League schools. They paid to have them admitted. That's right. Fraudulently. A flurry of new indictments today ensnaring celebrities, CEOs, college coaches in a massive scheme to game the college admission system. Felicity Huffman, an Academy Award nominee, and Lori Laughlin, the actress of Full House and Fuller House fame, just two of the more than 40 alleged participants in a wide-ranging conspiracy to cheat, bribe, and lie to get the children of the super-rich into elite university. Here's Andrew Lelling, U.S. Attorney for the District of Massachusetts and the FBI Special Agent in Charge, Joseph Bonavolanta. We have charged three people who organized these scams, two SAT or ACT exam administrators, one exam proctor, one college administrator, nine coaches at elite schools, and 33 parents who paid enormous sums to guarantee their children's admission to certain schools. This is not a case where parents were acting in the best interests of their children. This is a case where they flaunted their wealth, sparing no expense to cheat the system so, so they could set their children up for success with the best education money could buy, literally. Some spent anywhere from 200000 to $6.5 million for guaranteed admission. Their actions were, without a doubt, insidious, selfish, and shameful.
CNN's Brynn Chingers joins us now live from Boston. She was right there as this was unveiled. Brynn, wow. Yeah, exactly, John. I mean, uh, how elaborate this scheme was, according to federal officials, that's what strikes me most. Uh, we're talking about uh, just an enormous amount of people involved and now arrested. In some cases, some have already pled guilty. Uh, but also just how detailed these schemes were. Now, again, let's talk about the center of this all. His name is Rick Singer. According to authorities, he's already pled guilty to some federal charges. And he basically set up a nonprofit uh, and parents would come to him and basically ask for his help to get them into elite universities. We're talking about a USC, Georgetown, Yale University. And he did it in two different ways. One route some parents would take is basically have uh, their, their kids take SATs, ACTs, entrance exams. And he would either have someone who was very smart, as authorities say, retake those tests, changing some of those answers in order to get a higher score for those admission tests. Uh, in some cases, they would have their daughter or son go to a therapist and get more time to take those con uh, entrance exams. Uh, that was one route. Another route, according to federal authorities, was they this singer would get in touch with uh, athletic coaches at these universities and have students admitted through the athletic route, sometimes even faking pictures of uh, these students as athletes um, and basically bribing these uh, athletic coaches to help these students get in that route. Um, I know two names that we've been talking about who were parents that have been arrested is a Felicity Huffman, an Academy actress, a nominee. Uh, of course, we know her from Desperate Housewives, among other uh, movies um, and shows. And then Lori Loughlin, we know her, of course, from uh, Hallmark movies, Full House. She was the mom uh, in Full House. Um, according to these court documents, they took two separate routes. Felicity Huffman, if you go into these court documents, uh, basically asked for Singer's help, allegedly, uh, to take the tests for her daughter and declined to have him do the same thing for her second daughter. And uh, federal authorities actually said they're not sure why she changed her mind for the second time around. Um, when you look at the, the charging documents for Lori Laughlin, they said that they used Singer's help in order uh, for her, their kid, uh, her daughter to get into USC through crew, even though she had no talent whatsoever uh, with that sport. So again, a lot of details just came out in that news conference, um, and it's just mind-blowing, the amount of money that was pushed around, how many people were involved, uh, the fact that even some of the children knew that this was happening. Some of the children don't. Uh, some of these students are still in colleges. Um, but important to note, John, that uh, according to these authorities, uh, these universities that were involved uh, had no knowledge of this, but this investigation is still ongoing. Still ongoing, and uh, interesting, the level of detail, amazing. So William Rick Singer, the ringleader of the scam, uh, he facilitated 761 side door admissions yeah. at colleges like Yale, Stanford, and Georgetown by bribing people. 761. Yeah. It's pretty substantial, well, that number. Think about that from the perspective, like you mentioned, that for every one of those 761 kids who got in through a side fucking door because of their rich mommy and daddy... Mm -hmm. They're connected mommy and daddy. Mm -hmm. They're privileged. 761 kids who weren't quite as privileged, likely. Right. Didn't get in. Right. Kids who are already going to be fine. Right. Got in. Getting an extra leg up. Yeah. Already going to be fine. They don't need to go to college. All they fucking had to do was do the work. They yeah. Have, they're going to the best high schools. It's not like they're going to inner city high schools that are underfunded. Right. These kids are living in fucking Brentwood and Beverly Hills. Oh, yeah. Their parents can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. All the money they spent bribing, they could have spent on tutors who would have taught the kids the skills that they need to take the SAT and get a good enough score to go to Yale. This Lori Lachlan, the, 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 the Aunt the, Becky. Yeah, Aunt Becky. She's mm -hmm. not the mom from Full House. She's the Aunt Becky, right? Mm -hmm. She She's married to a guy, Massimo Jubba Jubba Jubba, who started a co clothing company called Massimo. At right, Target, right? Right, right, yeah, right here in, in, in Newport Beach, California. Mm -hmm. they, they flip, they renovate and flip fucking like $35 million mansions in Beverly Hills. These people have fuck you money. They have crazy money. Their daughter had to fly, when this was all announced, flew home from the Bahamas where she was vacationing on 
a trustee of USC his yacht. Mm-hmm. These, yeah, I these know. Are it it makes height, me very angry. The height of privilege. It makes me very angry. Taking away an opportunity of someone who doesn't have the fucking means and the connections. It really just shows this is what it's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and thankfully, let me say this. Thankfully, since we're on me shitting on Americans uh, routine. Thankfully, it does involve a bunch of celebrities because people will pay attention to it. Yeah, no, I think that's true for sure, right? If it wasn't Aunt Becky, I don't think people would be paying this much attention to it. Yeah. But I do hope, and I I do think that there are something very different, right? Obviously, they committed a crime. Obviously, this is fraud. But I do hope that this uh, prompts people to take a look at certain other aspects of admissions process in college yeah, right? the yeah. admissions process just overall yeah where legacy admissions yes right where yes. your parent or your family member went to one of these elite schools and so you get extra points on your application right you get a little bit moved up the, right. up the ladder that's right right because your parents or some family member went to the university so it's just perpetuating that it's nonsense that cycle of privilege yeah right because your family member who is priv- privileged enough to get into this elite university is now passing that privilege to you right just because you happen to be related to them that's it that's it <laughs> you don't even have to demonstrate the kind of academic rigor that maybe they did Yeah. And I also think you're making an important point about how these kids could have put in the work. They have the opportunity to go to after school tutoring programs, which a lot of kids do. And parents pay for their kids to do that. Yeah. I just finished a term working at a tutoring center like this where kids would come after school. They would finish school at three and they would be at this tutoring center until seven working their asses off right until seven. Let me repeat that again, where they would be writing practice essays and doing math homework nonstop. Okay. So that's what these kids could have done if they want to go to places like Yale, because that's what kids have to do. Right. (laughs) It really is. It's 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 disgusting, and it's um, your. It's listen. It's one thing to be rich, you know. I don't have a bunch of animus for rich people, but when you use your wealth and your privilege that you definitely have to further just shit on people who don't have it, that's that's something special, extra shitty. You know, mm-hmm. it's a bummer. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. This clearly is a longer conversation that we could have, and we'd like to have it with you. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. Well... Jesse teased it at the beginning. It is Chris Cuomo who had a spectacular reaction to Tucker Carlson and his crazy comments. So when the president started with the fake news BS, I knew it was going to have an impact. This president has a keen ear for what to say to play on people's fears to stoke anger. And people are very suspicious of many things, including the media. So I went out against it early. It was so damaging, so ugly and intentional, such a slur. I said it was like the N-word for journalists. Wrong. After I said it, family and friends started calling, reminding me of what I knew and screwed up. The N-word carries a legacy of violence and murder and prejudice that is so profound in disrespect that being called fake could never carry that. What I said was wrong and hurtful. And if I knew that, I should own it and apologize. I didn't hesitate. I apologized because my intention was to protect something that mattered. And this did the opposite. But I didn't want to disparage African-Americans or the legacy of slavery. The opposite of anything. I didn't want to increase any divide. So that takes me to what's going on right now in the media, chasing after Tucker Carlson and Pirro, the latest provocateurs on the Trump train over at state TV. They should apologize for what they said about every minority group they could target collectively, though Carlson is the main mouth. Apologize? Are you kidding? They're not going to apologize. Stop asking. They want to press the divide. 
They want to attack what most want to protect. And ironically, you give them attention for doing something wrong, and they use that attention to say it more. And ironically, use your negative attention to play the victim. Big boy will say, the left is coming at me. It isn't nice. At the same time, he would strip away the sensitivity toward those who are actually victimized. Hypocrisy often goes hand in hand with harshness. Few bullies can withstand what they dish out to others. Listen to what Carlson says. He would vote for a presidential candidate who said, it's these lunatic Muslims who are behaving like animals, and I'm going to kill as many of them as I can if you elect me. Iraq is a crappy place filled with a bunch of, you know, semi-literate primitive monkeys. The Congressional Black Caucus exists to blame the white man for everything. He said this about a TV host. She seems extremely C-wordy. He didn't say that. He said the actual word. As for Jeanine Pirro, here's a taste. Which, according to the Koran, 33, uh, colon 59, tells women to cover so they won't get molested. Is her adherence to this Islamic doctrine indicative of her adherence to Sharia law, which in itself is antithetical to the United States Constitution? You know what they're doing. This BS is currency for them. They get paid for this. The base likes their heroes to be base. They've seen this president make it to the White House in part by doing the same thing. Now, a lot of this stuff that's coming up, at least about Carlson, is from years ago when he was desperate for attention. Here's the test. Would he say the same things today? No, no, he's too busy playing the victim. He'd only say that he was naughty, but he wouldn't repeat them tonight. Why not? Come on, big man. Read the list of all the things that you said and do it again and show that you mean it. Come on. You're not more about the money now than you are about the truth, are you? He says apologizing to the mob costs people their jobs. What a coward. Why don't you repeat what you said if it's not such a big deal? You're not going to apologize. He's being treated unfairly by those criticizing the same. Give me a break. See this guy and the others for what they are. If you mean it, own it. Don't just protect your money and your fame or infamy in your case. Apologize if you want, but that takes character. That is strength. That is integrity. Own that you did something wrong. People who just say ugly things to get attention and jump up and down on the fault lines in our society, you don't have any of these virtues. You are a victim, though, not of others, of yourself. Know that. Spectacular. Yeah, I think that he should do all that. Listen, I... I have my criticisms for Chris Cuomo. Few. I really like the guy. I think he's he's earnest. I think mm-hmm. he's genuine. Mm-hmm. I love what he did. He opens talking about something he said that was stupid, that he fucked up, and he apologized. He got called out for it, and he goes, God damn, yeah. You guys are right. Yeah, fuck, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. And then he finishes it by saying, you should do the same thing. Dick face. Mm-hmm. You should fucking do the same thing. Apologize. Mm-hmm. Instead or, of instead of jumping up and down on the fault lines of our country. That's just mm, yum, 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 that's tasty. Or if you're not going to apologize, then repeat what you said. That's exactly right. Go on Fox. Yeah. And drop a C bomb for everybody. Yeah. Right? Be the, proud of what you said. Be other, proud of your views. The other thing is Tucker Carlson has been attacking like Brian Stelter, who I'm not a giant fan of, but multiple times calling him a eunuch on air, calling Brian Stelter a eunuch. And if you're unfamiliar with the word, it means a castrated man placed in charge of a harem or employed as a chamberlain in a palace, a man or boy deprived of his testes or external genitals. Yikes. Get the fuck out of here, Tucker Carlson, you silver spoon in your asshole jerk off. It's this kind of thing where they throw around these radical insults and then expect not to be slapped back a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily mean violently, physically, although you start talking like that to me, you know. All right. (laughs) Your bow tie bullshit. 
yeah. your khakis and sport coat bullshit. All right, so let's talk about what is going to happen with the third episode. Yes. We are going to be recording that. <laughs> that is a radical departure from any segue I would have made. We are going to be re- recording that uh, tomorrow That's on right. Ruth Bader Ginsburg's birthday. Yes. And we are planning on making it a 2020 kind of focused show. Although, please do not, if, if we don't do a completely focused uh, 2020 show, don't get mad. But Maybe it'll be a, a kind of shit showy like this one was. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that will happen. For sure. No, um, what I plan to do, because there's a lot of candidates we haven't talked about. First of all, Beto, and then uh, Pete Buttigieg, we haven't talked about at all. And Andrew Yang, we got somebody emailed us tonight, Robin emailed us tonight asking about uh, Andrew Yang, and we want to talk about him a little bit. So anyway, that'll be what the schedule is. Uh, As always, we're still taking voicemails and emails on every episode. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We would love to hear from you, and we will. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. There is no yeah. fucking wink wink to yeah. all of the assistant U.S. attorneys who might tune in. 